Hello, and welcome to another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm excited to be with you today to talk to, about one of my favorite topics relative to commercial multifamily real estate, and that is supply and demand. Uh, we've spent a lot of time in the past talking about the demand curves, and uh, there certainly are some great conversations to be had uh, there. At the same time, uh, the supply side deserves some uh, attention and some focus. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, we all agree that uh, there's great demand in the multifamily space driven by uh, population growth and the movement towards um, uh, rental uh, housing as opposed to home ownership. Uh, the significant impact of baby boomers and their children and grandchildren, those those two big demographic uh, units. Um, so lots and lots of reasons to see demand growing, and we've all been uh, experiencing that. We don't spend as much time talking about supply for a couple reasons. One is um, it's honestly been kind of static, at least in the Class B space. Um, uh, and while the numbers are large, uh, they tend to be focused in the Class A space. Well, that's what I've been saying for some time, and uh, and I appreciate that uh, most of our uh, our listeners have commented back that they believe the same thing. Well, I've got some data I want to share with everybody today that um, that helps shed a little light on those uh, particular issues, on the amount of new development that's going on, and on how much of that is Class A versus B uh, versus C, and um, so on. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's talk first about simply the overall uh, quantity of new construction. It is substantially higher today than it has been over the last 20 years. Uh, not surprising, right? Those demand drivers that we spoke of have elicited a response on the supply side of the curve and new dollars have come in. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, right? If there's more demand for a product, uh, someone, either the existing suppliers, are going to expand capacity to meet that new demand, uh, which will bring the market back into equilibrium, or there'll be new entrants to the marketplace, new suppliers that will come in and meet that demand. And that's the way a capitalistic economy like ours uh, operates. And yes, there's lots of different factors like regulation and government intervention and all sorts of other stuff that can get in there and have some impact at its core markets are driven by this supply demand phenomenon it's one of the things i really enjoy about multifamily real estate is getting a chance to actually see that in place and it's it's really quite uh, quite clear so uh over the last couple of years roughly 300,000 new units have come online each year uh, maybe a little less than that, maybe a little more. There's a lot of different data you can look at out there and you can argue one way or the other. It's substantially more than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even 20 years ago. And that's in response to this new demand. Now, our opinion is 300,000 is still not enough to take care of the increasing demand uh, for a variety of reasons. One, we simply think the demand is substantially higher than 300,000. And rarely does anyone take into account when they're doing this supply demand uh, analysis, the units that are taken out of service. 
Um, now, generally, there's not a lot of A's that come out of service. Uh, there may be some, but probably not many. Uh, they may age. Some of the older A's may age into a, a high-end B class, but they don't come out of service. Um, B's rarely are going to be taken out of service. C's and D's uh, are most likely where you're going to see units that come out of service. So if you're looking at the total amount of capacity in the system every year, adding 300,000 units most likely doesn't mean that there's 300,000 net new units added. There's some amount that, that goes away. So why, when we look at that 300,000, why do we think so much of that is class A? And for us, uh, it really comes down to one simple factor, and that is uh, the cost of construction. In the markets that we're active in, and we think you can make money investing in multifamily real estate in almost every market in the country, we simply think it's uh, easier and has less risk if you do that in markets that meet a number of criteria around economic growth and regulation and so on. For that reason, we focus our energies in um, Texas, the Texas Triangle and a few uh, smaller markets uh, as well. And when we, when we look in those markets, existing units, existing Class B units can be purchased for maybe $50,000 on the low end if you're getting a really great uh, value, up to 70,000 maybe as an average, um, 80, even $90,000 for a higher end B plus kind of unit, something in that range, which granted is a pretty broad range. New construction is not anyways near those. You can't build a new unit for $70,000. You're spending $100,000 or more, 120, something like that. Well, if you're gonna spend $120,000 to build a new unit, you can't compete with somebody that bought an existing unit for $80,000. Uh, if you charge similar rents, you're not going to make the kind of return that you need to on the investment that you had to make. So there's no reason for anyone to invest in developing new Class B units. The development should be in Class A because now you, you'll spend maybe 150000 or more, but you're building a unit that can actually command a rent that's commensurate with the investment that you had. That's been the logic that we've had. Well, now I've got some data I want to share with you that um, that backs that up. So if we look at the last year, we're just gonna look at uh, the 2018 space, right? So 2018 over the last uh, roughly 12 months. And we're gonna look at a number of the markets I just mentioned and what percentage of new construction has been in that class A space. So first we're gonna start with El Paso. El Paso is a smaller market. It's not in the Texas Triangle. Uh, for those of you that uh, don't have your maps out in front of you and aren't familiar with Texas, El Paso is uh, on the Southwest uh, corner of, uh, of Texas, uh, tucked in right underneath New Mexico. Uh, great city, great market, lots of wonderful, uh, characteristics that make it a, a good market to look at. And 100% of new construction in the last 12 months uh, has been Class A, uh, which bears out our, um, our thesis. Let's move on to uh, the triangle itself, San Antonio. So the southwest corner of the triangle, 96% of new construction in 2018, Class A. Houston, southeast side of the triangle, uh, 100%. Think about that. Houston, huge market. 100% of the new construction in Houston has been Class A in the last 12 months. 
And then the big market, the big Metroplex, Dallas, Fort Worth, Dallas on the east side of the Metroplex, Fort Worth on the west side of the Metroplex. 100% of new construction in 2018 is in class A. And that was true as well in 2017. So we've had two straight years where all of the new construction has been in class A. So while we've believed that that was the case, this data bears that out substantially, meaning in Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, El Paso, in those five markets in Texas, the class B inventory has essentially been static about the only impact that could have occurred. And I say could have because it's highly unlikely that, that investors uh, actually let this happen, is you might have extremely old, quote unquote, class A's that have been allowed to age into a class B asset. And I'm not talking about you know, a 2010 unit or a 2005 or even a 2000 unit. These would be units built in the 90s, realistically even the early 90s, that someone hasn't purchased and increased their value and brought them back to pure class A status and they've been allowed to essentially age into a class B. Um, there's certainly some of that out there. It's significantly uh, small, right? It is not, it is not a big, uh, big number. Uh, and this development uh, clearly doesn't have any impact on it. All right, so those of you that are really into supply and demand like I am and are thinking about your curves there, are gonna say, well, wait a minute, time out here. If you're building this much in class A, doesn't that oversupply or at least increasing supply in class A potentially put pressure on class A rents? Um, and what if class A actually starts to pull back? And that's the second half of the conversation today is, that is in fact what we are seeing in these larger markets is new construction is actually pulling back. And the reason it's pulling back is we are getting to a point where class A is at some level of equilibrium and we, there's no need for additional class A units. In, um, in the top 20 markets in the country, uh, of which Houston and uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, so three of the five markets we mentioned um, are listed in that that top 20, uh, Houston, 13% uh, reduction in new construction over the last 12 months. In Dallas, Fort Worth, it's reported as one, uh, one large market. Uh, we treated it as two for the data we just looked at. Uh, new construction down 23%. So meaningful reductions in new construction in those markets. And again, 100% of that construction is focused in class A. So there's already a response on the supply side to, hey, we're kind of getting to where we need to be on class A. Is there a risk that you could overbuild class A and impact class B? Of course there is. And what that would look like is something like this, where uh, continued development occurred in class A, not just to equilibrium, but to an oversupply in order to compete with existing class A inventory uh, you'd have some sort of rent war, for lack of a better word, and most likely around concessions as opposed to actually lower rents, but something that would effectively drive rents down. And obviously, if they're going down, that means they're headed towards Class B rents. If they get low enough, they'll start to put some pressure on Class B. How low is too low? Well, for us, that's one of the characteristics we'll look at when we're purchasing an asset is 
What's the class A inventory look like in that submarket? Is there new development going on in that submarket? And most importantly, what's the class A market rent level today? And what's the class B market rent level? Not just the particular asset we're looking at, but the class um, uh, B market in total. And we wanna see a healthy delta between those two. Give you an example. If the class B market is around $900 a month, uh, if the class A uh, market is at $1,200, that's too close. That's, that's not gonna work because you could very clearly see if there's any pressure put on class A's, they'd be imposing on class B's. We'd like to see it at $1,500 or even higher uh, so that we've got $400, $500, $600 worth of delta uh, in there that provides enough gap that we're not going to see overlap between A's and B's from a from a, uh, a financial standpoint. Um, the data that I'm referring to, uh, you can gain access to it a couple of different ways. You can shoot me an email, uh, pat at marapolling.com. Uh, we're also posting this material on our uh, uh, LinkedIn page, as well as uh, the recent LinkedIn group that we launched. Um, uh, the intent being to uh, help increase everyone's financial literacy and uh, develop uh, a, a wonderful advisory team. Uh, the group's called Personal Finance and Wealth Education, so you can find a, uh, a copy of this material there. Uh, we'll be posting both the data on uh, construction starts and the reduction that I just referred to, as well as the uh, Class A focus. Uh, lots of other great material you can get to on the Learning Center at marapolling.com. Um, so lots of places you can go uh, that you can go look for all of that. So why is all this important? Um, well, the reason all this is important is uh, real estate, in particular, the type of real estate investing that, that we do, that a firm like Mara Polling does, is a long-term investment. These are not uh, put our money in and take our money out a year from now or six months from now or three months from now. Even a short-term real estate investment in a multifamily property might be a couple of years. Um, for us, it's probably more of a five to seven year kind of time horizon and you can certainly invest over a longer period of time. Our fund product is actually structured to be uh, a longer term investment, not necessarily in individual assets, but in the commercial multifamily space. So we want to have some confidence that the supply demand imbalance that exists today, uh, that we understand what the factors are that are going to affect that over time. Well, in the last few years, we've seen such a resounding response on the supply side. Um, hard to imagine that we're going to have that response again, uh, that it doesn't continue to pull back. And you combine that with the fact that uh, what growth there has been has been on the class A side. And what that continues to tell us is there's almost no increase in the class B supply. Well, if you found an investment opportunity where there was growing demand driven by multiple factors, not just one factor, but by multiple factors that from a demographic standpoint are forecasted to continue for not just a year, five years, 10 years, um, some, in some instances, an entire generation, um, and supply is effectively non-responsive, well, then 
rents are gonna continue to increase and the value of units will continue to increase. How much? Well, if you can build a new unit for $100,000 or $120,000, at some point in time, these existing units are going to get either close to, if not all the way to that level. Um, and I'd certainly be very happy if units we purchased for 50 or $60,000 uh, were worth $100,000. Um, and by the way, over time, when they get there, uh, the cost of constructions continue to move. So that $120,000 construction is now $150,000 from that standpoint. So uh, great position to be in. It's one of the reasons that we love multifamily. Uh, we have a lot more great material on multifamily, in particular around supply and demand that you can access on the Learning Center. Um, I'm happy to chat with anybody about it. If you've got questions, you know, shoot me emails. We love doing Q&As as part of these uh, sessions. Uh, so if a question has popped up while I've been rambling through all this today, shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com. That's M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And, uh, and I'll be happy to not only give you an answer via email, but we'll include that in our, uh, in our, next, uh, our next podcast. So thanks for joining me. I look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling.